Hi, I'm Leslie Ludy, host of the Set Apart Podcast, biblical encouragement for women of all ages. Today, I'm excited to be continuing the Personal Life Lesson series. This is a series where I just share significant moments from my life and ministry and important spiritual truths that God has taught me or is still teaching me through those experiences. I hope and pray it's been an encouragement to you. If you haven't caught the first few episodes in this series, I encourage you to go back and listen to those as you have time. Today, we're going to talk about how to step out of our comfort zone or when God calls us to something that we don't feel qualified for, how to respond to that. And before we jump in, I wanted to just remind you that if you're not yet a subscriber to our Set Apart magazine, this is a beautiful resource and it's an amazing way to take these truths deeper in your life and to share the Set Apart message with other women. It's so beautifully designed that it takes this powerful, rich truth and just brings it to life. It's a magazine that comes out four times a year, articles from myself and other amazing writers, and it's just ad-free and it's just really just pure truth that is designed to point you to Jesus Christ. So click the link in this podcast description if you're interested in becoming a subscriber, or you can visit us at setapartgirl.com. Also, if you don't yet know about the Daily Thunder podcast, that is another link you can click in this podcast description. My husband, Eric, and Nathan Johnson and other speakers deliver really soul-stirring, powerful truth. And right now, Eric is going through a series in Daily Thunder on World War One and spiritual lessons that we can learn through the events of history really stirring and really powerful if you're looking for a daily boost of amazing soul-stirring truth. So again, click the link in this podcast description, or you can visit ellerslie.com and click on Daily Thunder. So let's talk about stepping out of our comfort zone. When God calls us to something that intimidates us and that we don't feel really qualified for, how do we respond? I want to start out by sharing a story from the life of Catherine Booth. She and her husband, William, co-founded the Salvation Army. And if you ever study the Salvation Army, it's one of the most powerful ministries, most powerful mechanisms of proclaiming the gospel around the world that has ever been in all Christian history. It was a really incredible ministry, but so Christ-centered and so uncompromising in their stand for the truth and the gospel of Jesus Christ and how it could transform lives. Catherine Booth, though, was a wife and a mother of four or five children, and it was her husband, William, who was known as really the figurehead of the ministry and the one who communicated truth. And they gathered together with several thousand people on a weekly basis for a church service. And a lot of times it's at the end of the service, they would open up the microphone, so to speak. I don't know if they had microphones back then, but they would open it up for people to just offer testimony of how God had worked in their lives. Catherine Booth had never spoken publicly. And yet one night she felt compelled to get up on the stage and just share some testimony of what God had done in her life, how God had really worked in her heart and convicted her of some things. And she felt she was supposed to share that to edify the body that was there. She was very nervous about it. She didn't really want to get up. And she said that the enemy kept whispering in her ear, you're going to make a fool of yourself if you say yes to this nudge of God. And she said, okay, that settles it then. I've never been truly been a fool for Christ. So tonight I might as well begin. And so she got up fully expecting to make a fool of herself and spoke for 10 or 15 or 20 minutes. And it made such an incredible impact that that church, that group of believers was never 
never the same again. And that was really what fueled her passion to proclaim the gospel and share her faith everywhere she went. And she became a really powerful communicator of truth after saying yes to stepping out of her comfort zone that night. And later in one of her messages, she was challenging others, specifically other women who felt really nervous about being a tool for the gospel and saying yes to the call of God to share the gospel and share truth with others. And she said this, will you be encouraged, my sister? Never mind trembling. I trembled. Never mind your heart beating. Mine beat nearly through. Never mind how weak you are. It is not by human power, wisdom, might, or strength. It is by my spirit, says the Lord. He loves to use the weak things that the excellency of God may be seen. If your neighbors were sick of some devastating plague and you could go and help them, would you not do it? Would you say, I am a woman, I cannot go? No, you would say, let me go, like Miss Nightingale did to the sick and wounded soldiers, let me go. And these are not the bodies, but the souls. They are dying. They are going to an eternal death. Will you not rise up? Her challenge to these women was to step outside of their comfort zone, even amid their own insecurity and fear and trembling, and deliver a message to those that were dying and going to an eternal death. And her appeal to them was, don't just think about yourself and what makes you feel uncomfortable. Think about the fate of this person's soul. Are you willing to share truth with them? And that story so spoke to my heart when I first heard it because it it hit very close to home. There have been so many times when God has called me to step out of my comfort zone and speak truth when truth needs to be spoken. And in the midst of my fear and trembling, I wasn't quite sure how to respond to that calling. Another story I wanted to relay was Amy Carmichael, one of my favorite missionaries in history. She began to get wind of sort of an underground ring of child trafficking that was centered around the temples in India. And a lot of children will be sold or given to temples and forced into a life of slave prostitution. Now, at this time in India, it was kind of hush-hush. Not many people talked about it. It was sort of an underground thing. And a lot of other Christians and missionaries who had come to the country really did not want to get involved in something that dark and that underground. And yet, as Amy began to recognize that these children were being exploited and being abused and nobody was really standing up for them, she was compelled to uncover the truth and try to find a way to rescue these children. And so she would disguise herself. She would rub like coffee grounds on her face and arms and wear an Indian dress and kind of mingle among the people into the temples and try to get an idea of what was happening to the children. And as she began to learn about this underground abuse, she began to bring it out into the open and talk to other Christians about it. And instead of really supporting her and joining with her in rescuing these children, a lot of the other Christians and missionaries formed a committee to just get her out of the country. They they thought she was just stirring up trouble. They said, you know, you're just sticking your nose where it doesn't belong. You need to back out of this whole situation. Only trouble is going to come from it. And so God was propelling her into a work that was very uncomfortable and she was very alone in doing it. It was so out of her comfort zone. It was so unusual for an Irish woman in India at this time to single-handedly explore how to rescue children from this travesty. But the Spirit of God propelled her forward. And as I read in one of her biographies, this this came at a very high price. She had a high calling on her life. And it might sound exciting to go underground and try to expose these things and rescue children, but it came at a very high price. She received so much criticism. She could have been 
a comfortable and popular Christian woman. She could have been a speaker at missionary conventions where everybody would applaud her, but instead she chose a path that very few people understood and very few people approved of, including other Christians. And yet God was so with her as she said yes to this calling. He blessed her and she ended up rescuing hundreds of these children and raising them to become soldiers of the cross. When I read stories in Christian history of women who stepped out of their comfort zone in order to say yes to the call of God, it gives me such courage because all throughout my ministry, I feel like God has given me callings that I'm not comfortable with. Usually we look at what our skills are and what we're bent towards and wired towards and think, well, how's God going to use me in those areas? A lot of times God actually takes us on a detour and starts using us in areas that we don't even feel equipped for or qualified qualified for. When Eric and I were first married, I relayed this in a previous episode, we were headed to the mission field and I thought I'd become a nurse and become, do something with medical missions. And then God began to call us to boldly speak truth to the younger generation, to call them out of a self-focused existence into a fully surrendered existence to Christ. And that involved public speaking. And I didn't feel comfortable public speaking. And Eric is a naturally gifted communicator. He was always student speaker in high school and in college. He's one of those people where it just comes naturally for him and he doesn't think much about it. For me, speaking in public was not my natural gift. It was not my bent. I was comfortable doing musical things in public. So I had grown up singing and writing songs and performing at times, and that was somewhat in my comfort zone. But speaking publicly, where I would just get up on a stage and boldly proclaim truth and share stories from my own life and share testimonies of how God had worked these truths in my life, that was way out of my comfort zone. Now, I don't really feel like I have one of those magnetic personalities that just instantly captivates an audience. Somebody who's, you know, everybody's friend, everyone loves them, who has like this funny or cute story about everything or who's a natural comedian. I don't have any of those gifts. In fact, I'm naturally more of an introvert, more of a behind the scenes type of person, even though God has not allowed me to stay behind the scenes in the ministry that he's called me to. I'm also more of a private person. I don't actually enjoy public speaking or being on stage, even though I've done it for the past 25 or 26 years. Some people are made for it. I never felt like I was. And yet both of these areas, being willing to speak boldly in public and share testimony of what God has done in my life and even be willing to share things that were more personal in order to help other people. Those things were where God began to call me out of my comfort zone early in our marriage and ministry. He called me to step out of what was comfortable and what I, what I felt gifted in and go into realms where I didn't feel very gifted or equipped. And also he asked me to share things from my life in order to strengthen or benefit others that I would have preferred to keep to myself. In Amy Carmichael's book, Gold Cord, she talks about how people approached her when she was well established in her ministry in India and asked her to share more on the personal side of how God had built her ministry and led her to sort of build this group of Indian women and children that all served God together. And at first she was very resistant because she said it's not meant to be a public story. It's just a private way that God has worked in, in and through our lives and our ministry. And we don't want to just let the world in to see what God has done here. It's very sacred. It's very private. And then as she prayed about it, she said a quiet word from God ended her ineffective unwillingness. She said, if it will benefit or help others and strengthen them and point them to Jesus, I am willing to share it. 
Well, God had to remove my ineffective unwillingness as well. And he still does at times in our ministry when he's calling me to things that I don't really feel are my natural gift. There were so many moments from the very beginning of our ministry where God asked me to do things I was uncomfortable doing and taught me incredible lessons every time I did. So many times in those early days, I struggled with extreme feelings of inadequacy, and it caused me many times to want to shrink back from what I knew was the clear call of God on my life. So I'd like to share three spiritual principles that I have learned about getting uncomfortable in order to say yes to the call of God on my life. And my prayer is that whatever he has called you to do, these fresh reminders from his word will infuse you with courage to say yes to stepping out of your comfort zone for his glory. And the first principle is a very simple principle from scripture, one that we so often forget when God is calling us out of our comfort zone. And that is the fact that his strength is made perfect in our weakness. Paul says that in 2 Corinthians 12, 9, his grace is sufficient and his strength is made perfect in our weakness. Now, I didn't want to have to come to the end of my own strength to see that principle proven true in my life. But when I did, when I said, Lord, I am at the absolute end of myself and my own abilities and my own resources. He began to show himself powerfully faithful and strong through me as I got out of the way. As we've often quoted John the Baptist, I must decrease so that he would increase. Early in our ministry, I always felt very insecure whenever I had to speak alone without Eric there as a fallback. I always figured, you know, if I lose my train of thought or begin to make a fool of myself, Eric can step in. He's a naturally gifted speaker. He can just sort of improvise and he'll be there. And there were definitely times when he couldn't be there. And I was called to speak alone to like a women's event or something. And those were the times that I used to feel the most insecure. Now, after 26 years and all that God has done in my life, that's not something I still struggle with. But I vividly remember in those early days, really, really really, it was difficult. And I remember one specific women's event that I was called to speak at leading up to this event, I had been sick. I think several of my children had been sick. We, we were going through some very intense personal trials. And all of a sudden, I needed to catch a plane at like four the next morning to go speak at this women's event out of state. I had gotten almost no sleep for several days. And I didn't feel physically or emotionally that I could say yes or handle this at all. And I really tried to work out the situation so that Eric could just come along with me. And he couldn't, there were a lot of reasons why he couldn't come. I felt so inadequate and so alone. And I really wanted to back out of the commitment because I was sure I couldn't do it. I was sure that I would fall flat on my face. How can I show up and speak truth to these women when I feel this tired and this exhausted and this ill-equipped for it? But then late that night, right before I was supposed to catch my plane the next morning, Eric and I talked and prayed, and I recognized that this was a perfect opportunity for his strength to be made perfect in my weakness. I had come to the end of my own strength and my own ability, but I had not come to the end of God's because we'll never come to the end of God's strength or ability. 
So with Eric supporting me and praying together, I determined I would go to this event even in that weakened state. And ironically, I was I had already committed to bring my two-year-old son along with me. There, there's a whole story behind that. So I had to travel alone, exhausted, getting ready to speak at this women's event with a two-year-old. So I remember being just very, very dependent every step of the way on that trip. I didn't feel equipped to share anything helpful. When I arrived at that event, I thought, okay, Lord, I my mind is just blank. I don't even know what I am going to say that would help these women. I was exhausted. I was distracted by all that we had walked through recently. I was nervous about speaking by myself and not having Eric there. But I, I took some time right before I went up to speak to just yield to his strength. And the moment that I got up onto that stage, I felt this incredible miracle happen. He equipped me to do what I could not do on my own. He began to give me words to share, give me truth to share. And I felt his supernatural strength holding me up and working through my life. It turned out to be a very powerful event for these women, certainly not because of anything I did, but because I got out of the way and allowed him to do it. So many times through the years, whenever I have been tempted to say, I can't, he always reminds me, but I can. When we can't, we need to remember that he always can. So I encourage you through that principle not to shrink back when you feel that you've come to the end of your own resources because his resources for you will never run dry. The second principle that he has taught me through situations like this is that I have to look to his abilities and his supply and not my own. And this really builds on the first principle. In 1 Corinthians one twenty seven. Paul reminds us that God chooses the foolish things of the world to shame the wise, and he chooses the weak things of the world to shame the strong. We often think that when God gives us a calling, we need to be impressive by human standards in order to live out that calling. But as you see all throughout his word, that is not the case. In fact, when we have amazing qualifications and abilities and we feel confident in what we have to offer, we will often get in the way of God and his glory. And I think that's what what causes him so often to use the foolish things of the world to shame the wise and the weak things to shame the strong because he has to show us it's not about us. It's all about him. Gladys Aylward, uh, an amazing missionary to China, tells the story of when she was first called to go. She did not feel qualified to go. She worked as a parlor maid. She was uneducated and she was even kicked out of missionary school because she just could not keep up with the studies and learn foreign languages. And so she really didn't feel qualified and yet she felt this incredible burden for the unreached in China. So she tried to convince everybody else that she knew to go, even her brother, and she couldn't find anybody who was willing to go as a missionary. And one day she was sitting on her bed in the house where she was a servant and she was reading the story of Nehemiah and how he was called to rebuild the wall around Jerusalem and how in spite of all the obstacles, because he had a lot of obstacles, he still went. And she said, in spite of everything, Nehemiah went to fulfill the call of God on his life. And then God spoke to her heart. I want you to go to China. Just as I called Nehemiah to rebuild that wall, I am calling you to go to China to reach the unreached. That's why I've given you such a burden for them. And she said, but Lord, I am not Nehemiah. And his word back to her was, but surely I am Nehemiah's God. 
And that is what settled it for her. She recognized, you know, I've been looking to my own lack of ability rather than realizing the same God that I see all throughout scripture who worked in the life of Nehemiah and Moses and Paul and all the Christian heroes. We serve the same God. I serve the same God. It's not about my ability, but his. When God calls you out of your comfort zone, it's really tempting to immediately begin measuring your own resources and qualifications and abilities. And as soon as you see how lacking you are for the task to just shrink back and say, you know what, I'm not going to do this because I'm just not qualified for it. But rather than measuring what we have, we are only to measure who God is. If we decrease so that he would increase through us, we will see the reality that with God, all things are possible. It's not based on what we can do, but what he can do through us. Now, sometimes he will ask us to go through a season of preparation. I'm definitely not discounting that. In fact, that's why Eric and I do what we do through our discipleship ministry at Ellerslie is to take people through a season of preparation to be world changers for the glory of God. But when you know that God has a clear call on your life and you want to shrink back from it, this is the perfect time to remember that it's not about your ability. It's about his. We can receive what we need in order to carry out the task that he has called us to when we become completely dependent on him, not confident in ourselves, but confident in who he is. Let's look for a minute at the story of the disciples when they were asked to step out of their comfort zone and do something that literally seemed impossible when Jesus asked them to feed a crowd of 5,000 men plus women and children. Here's what it says. When the day was now far spent, his disciples came to him and said, this is a deserted place and already the hour is late. Send them away that they may go into the surrounding country and villages and buy themselves bread for they have nothing to eat. But he answered and said to them, you give them something to eat. And they said to him, shall we go and buy 200 denarii worth of bread and give them something to eat? Jesus was literally asking them to do the impossible and the odds were very much against them. They were in a deserted place. The day was far spent and it would cost a fortune to feed the crowd just one meal. But Jesus still said, in spite of all of that, you give them something to eat. When they panicked and they said, uh, we can't do that. What were they missing? They were missing the fact that they were with the bread of life himself. All they needed to do was to get in step with him and they would have everything they needed for the impossible task. When they allowed Jesus to be Jesus and they became willing to say, okay, Lord, we don't have what we need, but you do. And if you supply what we need, we are willing to say yes to this impossible calling. Once the disciples allowed him to be who he was, the task was no longer impossible. I find it really interesting that the disciples still had a role to play in this miracle. They didn't just sit on the sidelines passively watching Jesus perform the miracle. They actually worked in cooperation with him as he performed the miracle. It says in Matthew 14, he commanded them, to make them all sit down in groups on the green grass. So they sat down in ranks in hundreds and fifties. And when he had taken the five loaves and two fish, he looked up to heaven, blessed and broke the loaves and gave them to his disciples to set before them. And the two fish he divided among them all. So they all ate and were filled and they took up 12 baskets full of fragments and of the fish. And they took up 12 baskets full of fragments and of the fish. Now those who had eaten the loaves were about 5,000 men. Jesus multiplied the bread and the fish, and then he gave them 
to his disciples for the impossible task that they were called to do, feeding that crowd of more than 5,000 people. And that is what it looks like when God has asked us to do something that we feel is impossible. We don't have more than maybe a few loaves and fish. We surrender that meager offering of a few loaves and fish back to him and he multiplies it. He makes it effective and fruitful for what he's called us to do. And he even gives us details on how to carry out his will. God will supply everything we need when we look to his ability and not our own, just as the disciples learned that day in the feeding of the 5,000. The third principle is to be watchful of discouragement. So we've talked about letting his strength become perfect in our weakness and looking to his ability and not our own. So say we step out of our comfort zone and we say yes to something that feels very much outside of our realm of what we are personally naturally gifted at. The enemy will often come in and attack us after we have obeyed God by stepping out of our comfort zone. And he often wants to overwhelm us with discouragement and make us feel like that was terrible. You messed that up. You didn't do that right. You should never do it again. I'm very familiar with the voice of discouragement. We have been doing our Set Apart Conference now for the past 13 years. And the first several years that we did this conference, Every, every time it was over, it would be this amazing weekend of women's lives being changed, incredible truth being spoken, just the presence of God so obviously there. And yet every single time after a set apart conference for those first few years, I would say to myself, I am never doing that again. Now, where was that coming from? There wasn't anything bad that happened. In fact, it, it was a beautiful demonstration of God's power and faithfulness. Yet the enemy was coming and hounding me and saying, you know, nitpicking me and saying, you didn't do this right. You forgot to say this. You should have done this better. You shouldn't have done that better. And it was so overwhelmingly discouraging to listen to that voice that I finally decided I'm never doing that again. And then God began to say, well, am I the one telling you never to do that again? Or is that a different voice that you shouldn't be listening to in the first place? So finally, I came to realize that discouragement was the enemy's chosen tactic to get me to back off and not say yes to that call. I would encourage you not to over-evaluate what you did or didn't do, what you said or didn't say, if you said yes to stepping out of your comfort zone. Ask God to work through your imperfections, your imperfect delivery, to multiply your meager offering of fish and, uh, small fish and loaves, and change lives. He's the one who changes lives. We can never do that. Only he can do that. And he cares about those we are seeking to reach with truth far more than we ever could. He chooses to communicate his message through us, not because we are perfect, but because his strength is made perfect in weakness and because he chooses the foolish things and the weak things to shame the wise and strong. I have learned that it is very important that I don't listen to the voice of discouragement. And in fact, I need to choose to completely get my eyes off myself and focus on Jesus, on who he is and on the work he is doing in others' lives. I've learned over the years to counter the voice of discouragement with truth. The moment that I begin to hear that voice of discouragement, I have learned to counter that with scriptures that I have memorized, truths from the word of God that I'm standing on, or prayers for those that I'm seeking to reach with truth. And then the enemy backs off. I leave my loaves and fish in his hand. I ask him to multiply my meager offering and make it fruitful for his kingdom, no matter how weak and imperfect I feel my delivery might have been. And a 
amazingly, he answers that prayer time and time again. Sometimes the messages or ministry ventures that I have have done where I've stepped out of my comfort zone, and then I've been hit with the most discouragement. Those have been the messages or ministry actions that have most impacted others. Sometimes I'll get a comment or a letter. And it's the one time or the one message that I would think, oh, I'm sure that didn't impact anyone that was such a mess and that will be the one that somebody says you know god really used this to to change the direction of my life to impact me and it's god's way of reminding me that his strength is made perfect in our weakness and i shouldn't be listening to the voice of discouragement so we've talked about stepping out of our comfort zone and not shrinking back from those callings on your life that feel impossible. Now, it may not be public speaking. It may not be rescuing children underground like Amy Carmichael or going to China like Gladys Aylward. But all of us have those those aspects of our life where we know we're meant to witness to someone or disciple someone or speak truth in a certain situation or do something that we don't feel qualified for. And yet God is propelling us to do it. Remember those three keys that his strength is going to be made perfect in your weakness, that you need to keep your eyes fixed upon who he is and not your own ability, but but who he is and what he is able to do through a willing yielded vessel and to tune out the voice of discouragement and stand instead upon the voice of truth. Here are some final thoughts that I want to share with you. If God is calling you to step out of your comfort zone, remember that he is trustworthy. He doesn't just give you an impossible task. He supplies everything you need in order to carry it out. When we remain dependent on him, he will do great things through our lives, no matter how weak or unqualified we may feel. Because even though we are weak, he is strong. Even though we can't, I hope you've enjoyed this week's episode. If you'd like to go deeper into what it means to live a set-apart life for Christ, visit us at setapartgirl.com and see the many resources that we have for you there on living a Christ-centered life. I pray you have a blessed and Christ-focused week.